You are listening to Post Game Content, a show where we're gonna we're gonna break some fucking games. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, knuckles <laughs> cracked, baseball bat equipped. Um, uh, you gotta get a gotta do a smash attack for that critical critical uh, damage. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> earthbound. It's earthbound. Um, no, we can't uh, anyway. plug at the beginning. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Thomas. I'm late to the show, but I'm Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so we got we got one or two things to to talk about news wise, and then uh, we can dive into uh, our middle topic where we talk about our favorite game breaking strategies. But oh yeah, first off, I just want to you know, Kevin, st- break out the tiny violin because right. we are we are witnessing the death of something. Um, and that is, uh, my best tiny violin impression. <laughs> Sony is, uh, is, uh, taking down the, uh, the PlayStation three PSN store. Um, and that is so sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Mostly I'm just taking this opportunity to, uh, vent about the fact that, you know, remember the fallen, remember the fallen, uh, also physical game releases are still important. We can't live in an all digital world. No, we can't. It's always really sad uh, when, like, the number one way to tell that a system is dead is when they shut down the like online store for it. And it's funny because that's sort of that's that's really only kind of recent because we've only had like one or two generations of consoles that like really had robust like online stores. You know? Yeah. Like when the Wii Shop went down, it was like, oh no, the Wii Shop. How am I going to play WarioWare? And it's like, <laughs> whatever. Like, there are some good games on there. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, Mega Man uh, 9 and 10 were amazing. And WiiWare exclusives, I believe. I don't I don't know if those made it. I think they might have made they, it in one of the ports. They did. Yeah, they're in the legacy collections. <laughs> yeah. And those games are really good. Uh, so I'm glad that they are are playable. Um, but, but really, like, when the Wii... We wear a store went down. I, I was sad, but it was just like whatever. Like, what? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you also have to think at the time the Wii U had Virtual Console, so I did. I never thought we would live in a world without Virtual Console. Fucking Nintendo. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I just didn't. I just didn't have that fear at the time that I now have, and sometimes I long for the simpler days. Um, but yeah, back to the PlayStation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing. Um, my my problem with this is more so on the virtual console side than like on the like digital originals or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, because you know, I mean, uh, Kevin, you know me. I'm a huge fan of. Wait, I know you. What? Uh, <laughs> wait, I thought you just uh, kidnapped me, trapped me to this chair. <laughs> I thought you, uh, yeah. <laughs> no um you know me i'm like a huge fan of jrpgs and there's like a lot right. of obscure jrpgs that um we're just not going to be able to play uh once the playstation store sh- uh, shuts down in in mm-hmm. particular i'm thinking of i mean all right so like when i say like we won't be able to play what i'm really mean is like play reasonably because yeah. And like I, I have two specific games in mind here. First off is uh, is yet another post game content episode where I talk about Persona. But, oh my um... god! <laughs> you and your personas. 
This is, this is not the anime dating sim ones, though. This is the this is the OG. Um, okay. Persona Two Eternal Punishment, which I I still say is better than Persona Three, which was like the start of the 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 more dating like you know life simulator dungeon crawler franchise. Yeah. I think Eternal Punishment is a lot better because it's just like it's just tighter as a game, and like the story mm-hmm. is really interesting. I mean. I think it's got one of the best casts in Persona. Um, And like, I mean, they're sort of like flirting back and forth with this idea of like bringing back more elements from classic Persona. Sort of what made Uh Eternal Punishment different was that rather than the cast being like, you know, typical anime high school students, uh, it was actually a cast of adults. Um, And they really use that effectively within the story to, you know, dive into into problems that, you know, maybe teenagers or high school students wouldn't necessarily have. Like it's very paying rent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of. Uh, <laughs> like, um, and so, you know, getting a physical copy of Eternal Punishment is a huge pain. It's like $200. And we can't even get the remake, the PSP remake of Eternal Punishment, because besides the fact that the PSP is also shutting down its digital storefront, uh, they never released the remake of Eternal Punishment yeah, in the U.S. Screw localization. Um, yeah. And which is weird because we got the remake of Persona 2 Innocent Sin, which is the first half of the duology despite us never get, getting the PlayStation original version of Innocent Sin. And now right. we just have the digital PlayStation version of Eternal <laughs> Punishment without the remake. I think, um, I think you talked about this like way back when we did this show live. Um, it, and I don't and think it was even, I don't even know if it was live, but I mean, yeah, maybe. I, 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 I have talked about it before. But yeah, I know, I know it's come up and, and I just think that's really funny. <laughs> that that yeah. makes me think of like, of like all the um uh, of all the, like the Final Fantasy games or like Fire Emblem games that just didn't come over, but like, but like selectively, you know, yeah. like some games did come over. Especially, I'm pointing to Fire Emblem at this one because, um, or sorry, not uh, Final Fantasy because uh that like that's what caused like the huge like numbering error right. <laughs> when four um, is two and six is three. <laughs> yeah, and it's like what? And uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I always um, find that funny, and and, it, and it, it's um even you know we made that uh, Earthbound joke at the beginning, but like um when Mother came over and they were like, uh, you know, we have a sequel to this game called Mother Three, and but the game that it's a sequel to is Earthbound, and we didn't ever release the first one over here, so Earthbound Beginnings, and then <laughs> and then Mother Three, Earthbound, yeah, we're, Earth, screw Earthbound. it, just don't just just don't put that one in the U S and, and we don't have to worry about it. And that's what they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, yeah. you know what earthbound only makes sense for the first two games. It doesn't make sense for mother three. So if, if, if mother three ever does come to America side, you know, just side tangent here, if mother three ever does come to uh, America, I'm going to be really mad when they call it earthbound two, because you know that they're going to call it earthbound two. Anyway. Um, it, it should be called like, uh, I don't know, like, lucas uh an earthbound story yeah honestly that would be better honestly yeah um but but you know what though like going back to the naming conventions of of that series 
uh the the phrase earthbound makes sense for mother one but the but mother two doesn't really make sense for earthbound if that makes sense i mean i was uh, not to go off on a tangent here but i always just thought it was like no, we you always know, go off on tangents stop yeah. apologizing for our tangents <laughs> they happen all right i always just thought it was like a reference to guy gets sort of just being like you know cosmic horror or whatever yeah i mean like the idea is that so the, the idea of a mother figure just in general is sort of like a major theme of the first game like it, it ties into uh gig or gaigu or gaigu's story um yeah it, it ties into the story of gaigus um and, and and the plot of mother well uh, the first one or earthbound beginning so so the name mother actually makes a lot of sense for that game but so does earthbound i mean they were originally going to call mother one earthbound when it came over uh two words they were going to call it earthbound um mm-hmm. but then it never happened and then like the sequel came out and they're like all right we'll call this one earthbound and uh, but this one time word. one word <laughs> yeah and, and you know that one makes sense because gigas comes to earth he's earthbound so mm-hmm. is the little so is Buzz Buzz the beetle or bee or whatever the hell Buzz Buzz is, and he comes to Earth and warns, and, and you know the meteor is Earthbound, and so all of these things are Earthbounded, and so it makes sense. Um, but it also kind of makes sense for the first game because Gygus was coming to Earth and he was Earthbound and blah 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 and and whatever. But basically, Mother Two doesn't really make sense in any other concept uh, other than the fact that it's a sequel to the first Mother game. Um, Earth. anyway yeah thank you for coming to my uh, mother talk <laughs> so um, uh mother three should be called uh capitalism then because yeah. that that's what the bad guy is in mother three <laughs> it should be called capitalist pigs yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right we we did it <laughs> okay, now that we've come full circle in the now that we've closed the mother conversation um playstation 3 is dead um sound uh someone someone play uh someone fire the 21 gun salute for playstation 3 officially dead mm-hmm. uh, autopsy came out um you know you you made a joke right before we started recording tom about uh balan Wonderworld. yeah i did kind of want to talk about it for a second um and and i and i, I don't really it. have like any you know news regarding it but i feel like it makes sense to go in this segment so i'm going to talk about it um it's definitely made by the people who made Sonic. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know. I, I've heard really good things and I've heard really bad things and I've heard little in between. Um, on one hand, I've heard people praise the game for like being kind of creative and, and unique. Um, and, and it's got the one button gameplay and I think that's fine because games could be fun with one button. I mean, I, I, think, I mean, I think about like, I think about like Sonic, when you think about it, Sonic games only have one button. Uh, because when you're in the 2d Sonic games, uh, the same button that jumps is also the same button that does a spin dash. It just depends on what you're doing when you push the button essentially. And so, and, and, Kirby Air Riders, one button game. That game is really good. I love that game. But um, I can understand when you have this really fancy PlayStation controller with like adaptive triggers and like mm-hmm. light up buttons and, and, you know, all the other bells and whistles of a modern, like, you know, beefy console, modern, you know, next gen console. 
and every button you push does the same thing. Um, I can understand that, like, you know, people who are expecting, like, oh, yeah, we live in this new age of gaming where we're pushing the boundaries of gaming and gaming, 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 gaming. And uh, and then they're just, like, have this one button game. I don't know. I mean, as long as the game's good, but it doesn't even sound like people are enjoying it unless, you know, those kinds of games are your thing. I, I don't know, man. Like, the transformation... I don't, I don't know enough about the game to really say anything. And, and trust me, I've been trying to find out more about this game. But I think it's just, it was such a quiet release and it's so still so new that I I just haven't been able to find anything about it. And I definitely don't want to pay for it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the exact same way. I don't really know that much about it. This, I mean, as far as one button gameplay goes, you know, I think that it, it really has to be like thoughtfully designed. Like the game has to be thoughtfully designed around that. Like, I think the reason yeah. why it works in, like, Sonic, particularly 2D Sonic, is that, you know, you, you, you only have, like, two things you can really do with Sonic, which is move and jump, you know? Right, um, and, and in the 2D space, that, like, that works really well because, um, you know, your options are limited, uh, both in terms of where you could go and what you can do. Mm-hmm. So you have to get really creative with those, you know, limitations. And, and I think that that's, to me, that's part of what makes 2D Sonic really enjoyable. Yeah. And is part of why I think like 3D Sonic is often, you know, a little overcomplicated because they introduce all these things and, and whatnot, but. Um, well, yeah. And like, that's my problem with, I, even though I, I probably like SA2 maybe a little bit more than you do. That is something I have a problem with is, uh, is like, you know, having like the somersault and the spin dash and, you know, the magic hands and whatever else. Right. All, all... everything's bound to one button. But exactly. Like, and it, and it no longer, and it no longer fits the game because it's like the, the only, the only reason you put everything to one button in the first place was because we didn't have much to do. Now we have all these things to do and you put them all to one button. So yeah. no, I no that that's one of my gripes of the game. Um, but Tom, did you know that in uh, Sonic Adventure 2, you can actually hit, I, I forget which button it is. It depends on what controller you're using, but it's usually the top button. Uh, so like, I don't know, X Triangle or, or Y. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can hit the top button to cycle through those options, but only while you're standing completely still. Yeah, because that's what I want to do in a Sonic game is stand still. <laughs> well... I will I will admit that comes in handy in the Chow Garden when like uh, the only other way to pick up a Chow is to walk towards them and hit the like button that is also bound to like attack. So, yeah. Um. So you have to get it timed right. Um. But it, it is kind of helpful when you're just standing next to a Chow and like cycle through until it says pick up, um, because it doesn't actually take that long. It's like second or third option. And right. And, and anyway, it but... saves a lot of Chows from being abused. But in game, when you're running around, uh, it is. Yeah. Very annoying. When you're trying I, to get the A rank in Metal Harbor. <laughs> oh my um, God. I don't even want to talk about the A rank in Metal Harbor. Okay. <laughs> don't even get me started. I found out a way. Okay. So I, okay. Another, another tangent. I found out a way. Here's one simple trick <laughs> to, to always get an A rank on Metal Harbor. So, you know, like there's that really hard route you have to take to get to the top of the, of the rocket to really get like that, that insane, like, point uh mm-hmm. boost at the at the end there you don't actually have to do that as long as you can get to the end of the stage in a really good amount of time 
don't bother about that because when you land on the aircraft carrier, if you jump immediately after doing the light speed dash, you will uh, jump straight into one of the fighter jets that is flying overhead and you will get an insane amount of points. <laughs> More than the points you would get from grabbing the secret rocket thing higher up on the rocket or, or and doing that. And, and that's ridiculous and hard and no one wants to do that. So just, you know, for all the people out there playing <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2 right now on Metal Harbor, <laughs> screaming, pulling their hair out, trying to get that A rank, just jump into an airplane. It'll be okay. <laughs> if you're lucky, um, you can actually get two or three in one jump and then you're set, man. You're yeah. Set. Uh, the only other thing I'll add about Balan Wonderworld is that... Um, <laughs> I, I did see a clip on Twitter uh, where it it was like a, a power-up. Yeah, the, the Fox Box. box. <laughs> drove, it's the it's the power-up that turns you into a box just randomly. Yeah. <laughs> and you and just it, and the clip and, he slides off the edge, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Wow, it's like this is the pinnacle of game design right here. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't know. I I am curious. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to lie. I, I, when the game was announced, I really liked, um, Balan's design, like the, the hat guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really I mean, liked I that was, design. I was interested in the game. Definitely. Like it gave me like a lot of like nights vibes and stuff it like gave that. Me, it gave me, it gave me dreamcast Sega vibes is what it yeah. gave me. Cause the Balan himself looks like he has like, like, Sonic Adventure proportions with like a little bit like with Knight's inspiration for the design itself and you know like Knuckles dreads for good measure like, mm -hmm. like um and I, I don't know like I could I looked at Balan and I was like this is definitely designed by the guy who was designing like Sonic Adventure Sonic Adventure 2 Knights into Dreams etc cetera, etc cetera. so um, yeah, no, I was I was super interested and, and like I'm willing to give the game a shot. It sounds like it has its problems. And um, I think the number one problem that I want to mention before we move on from Balan is the fact that in the like open beta or whatever, or I don't know if it was an open beta or it was what, like the demo but, or whatever. Yeah, the free the free demo is what it was. Um, the final boss or something had had like this like seizure inducing like flashing of colors and like to the point where even like non at risk people like people who don't usually experience that like we're having a hard time playing that section and that's like huge like yeah. i don't know why that made it into the demo and they said like hey we're gonna patch that out day one don't worry like they, they acknowledged it first of all look it, it's something like that shouldn't even make it to day one like that mm -hmm. should have been you know that that is not that is not okay <laughs> that's that's uh that's very like troubling um, yeah um and the fact that it made it that far into production is a little like concerning but what is even worse is that and as of recording this i don't know for sure i haven't again there is not a lot of talk of this game right now but on launch day which i think was yesterday if i'm not mistaken um as of recording this um uh, as of launch day, they didn't do it. They, that that yeah. patch never came out. So here's, uh, that's a I mean, scary. the whole thing in general is kind of worrying in the sense where it's like, and this this will be my last word on Balan Wonderworld. It's like you know, 
I mean, I haven't seen anything about this game since the announcement. Um, and yeah. I feel like that is not a great, like, I, I didn't even know it came out yesterday. Yeah, um, it, it, silent release yesterday, uh, very quiet release. And it's like yesterday. whenever whenever a game does that, like, I feel like it usually means that. It's heading to the Balan Underworld. Yeah, it's it's headed to the Balan bargain bin. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll, I don't we'll know. see. Uh, I, certainly not something I'm going to be spending money on right now, but yeah, you know. I mean, you know, on, on a more optimistic note, uh, Sega like uh, won some like Metacritic award. I don't remember, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess their games this year were like the, of the highest rating. Like, say, like of the yeah. developing companies, Sega had the highest rated games, like on average or something, which doesn't sound right. Like, I, I feel like we got to count again. But I well, don't know. I, 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 it's it's like I think Sega as a publisher is actually like really great because. Oh like, yeah, no, I mean jokes aside, know. Sega as a publisher is fantastic. But um, like Yakuza, I mean that's, how they, that's awesome. definitely how they stay in business. I like they yeah, they yeah. have to they have to do something right. Um, which is, I don't know, which is funny. I mean, I, I can think of a couple companies that do that. They play it safe on one end and then get experimental on another end. Um, I think of WayForward, like for every Shantae game we have, we have uh, we have like some, you know, we have a Bahugan. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> Bahugan. Um, I forgot about that one. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know. Companies yeah. just do that and whatever. Yeah. Um, the last bit of news I had to share Um the uh, the other bit of news i feel like we spent the time not talking about the news mm-hmm. um is uh risk of rain to um had an update today where they added a new character which um is exciting enough because i you know i really like risk of rain too i um my friends and i you know not not to brag but we got the big lobby mod because that's how many people we uh <laughs> we play uh, with when we play that's how many um, friends Kevin has. That's how many fri- yeah, I have more than three friends. You know, what? <laughs> you know, no big deal. Don't mean to flex on you. I'm, I'm a gamer with friends. I can. Well, you never seen it before. What you scared of of a gamer with some social ability? You scared of someone who could play eight player Smash? <laughs> yeah, dude. Eight player Smash is local only, so that means not only do I have eight friends or seven friends, but I have seven friends that live in my area. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No Discord Reddit friends for me. <laughs> Good old-fashioned COVID-sharing, handshaking friends here, <laughs> here in the Kevo household. Anyway, holy hell. Um, uh, but yeah, Risk of Rain added a new character, and, and not only is that a big deal, um, but this character in particular is a, is a character that has been rumored from the start. Um, fans have made mods to add him into the game. He was a character in the first Risk of Rain, and he was my favorite character from the first Risk of Rain, so I'm ecstatic. Um, and what's what's really nice to me, and and I don't know, like, I don't know how they, I, I don't know if they approached the person who made the mod or or what, but the model, the official model that is in this update, is remarkably similar to the fan made model that was used for the mod. So I think that's really cool. If if they got fans on board for that i know the studio behind um uh risk of rain one and two uh hapu games or whatever or hapo games um they recently expanded like like they doubled the size of their team recently like within the last year 
Um, and not that that's saying much. They were a small team to begin with. So, you know, doubling, there could be 12 people there now for all I know, or 24. And and, and that is still like an incredibly small number. But um, I know they reached out to like fans. They were ex- explicitly looking for fans of the game to help them. So um, I don't know. I, I think it'd be, I, I have no way of confirming it, but I have a suspicion that they got some fans who were, you know, a part of that mod in some way and you know don't take that as gospel but um that's just something i noticed myself um and have and have yeah. no confirmation but i, I think uh, that's cool regardless and i'm excited to play it when i can play it i mean even you know we i we, obviously like sonic mania is the premier example of uh yeah. oh yeah the power of fan development um mm-hmm. so you know i mean if, if that is true that that'd be pretty interesting um yeah i mean Sonic is interesting because not only is the is he the premier example of like uh, what fans can do, he's also the premier example of oh god what yeah what, what fans can do <laughs> of why fans maybe shouldn't develop Sonic games. <laughs> um, um, no, my my favorite thing is is whenever like you see those really stupid like YouTube videos, Twitter posts, whatever, where it's just like it's just like. A, a shitty outdated sonic or mario model in like an unreal engine like yeah sega, yeah like <laughs> nintendo hire this man sega hire this man <laughs> it's like no don't <laughs> yeah uh i don't know uh um, but yeah no fans fans are capable of some pretty cool things and i don't know definitely anyway uh, let's break games let's break games yeah so um Hopefully we're thinking the same way about this. Um, I, I was I thinking... I don't know if we are, but I, I think it'll be funny if we're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I so, like to take sledgehammers to my priceless Dreamcast games. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I, I it's It's been a good run with my, uh, with my copy of, uh, you know, Near One. But <laughs> sadly, the 60 bucks I paid for it... <laughs> It's not as much fun as breaking with this. What this, what this genuine 1981 Mario Brothers Game and Watch? What snap? <laughs> oh no! No. So I was thinking of my my criteria for this was like games where it's like you can just get stupid overpowered and just like break any challenge uh, okay. in half. Um, um I was I'm not thinking about you. big rigs. <laughs> I'm a little with you in terms of, um getting over any challenge but i'm also not with you in the regard is that i was kind of thinking of big rigs but okay. I'll, I'll get more into that well we, we, I, we I have an there. example for yeah i have an example for both at just in case i i i, I came prepared uh, on the you know but <laughs> at least one of us did um so <laughs> you know lately i've been um i've been in the mood for metroidvanias again mm-hmm. and um you know sort of the game that is well, one of the games that is credited with the whole idea and concept of Metroidvania is uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is a game that I absolutely adore. I've played, you know, dozens of times. Um, It's right up there for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, Symphony of the Night is maybe one of the what is a human man or what is it what is a man a miserable pile of secrets die or something (laughs) whatever the but enough talk have at you (laughs) yeah have at you oh man good Um, read belma so good um yeah so symphony of the night uh obviously it's the first it's you know exploration is a huge part of it and 
sort of what I've discovered, you know, from playing games so many times over the years is that the more options that you give a player, uh, the more, the less challenging a game is going to be. Um, and Symphony of the Night has a lot of options, but, um, you know, this is kind of a basic bitch answer for this kind of question, but, uh, I figured it's worth talking about anyway, because it, it, it is a strategy that is so game breaking that it has become an iconic part of the series and the character, uh, Alucard. Mm. Um, so, uh, when you get to the reverse cat, well, first off, um, when you get to the refer the reverse castle, which is the second half of the game, um, I I just want to I just want to interject. It, it kills me every time to think that like like that is what made people lose their mind about yeah. that game. Like like when you get you think you're at the end, and then these and then <laughs> Dracula's basically like upside I down. my castle upside down, Alucard. <laughs> Come <laughs> find me now. <laughs> and it's just yeah. Like, and like that was the big reveal like that's the, that was the yeah that was the, the, like, the reverse castle is not the best part of symphony of the night um i will yeah. admit but, <laughs> I, I know but i i just think that's really funny that yeah that's what gets it, people about it. it it's hilarious um also the fact that the the evil priest who does that is named uh shaft is really funny as well um but um yeah, so when you get to the reverse castle, there's an enemy uh, in the reverse long library uh, called... There's a reverse enemy in the reverse long library. Yep, that's right. It's uh, it's called a shmoo, I believe. Um, a reverse shmoo. <laughs> a reverse shmoo. <laughs> Everything's uh, reverse in the reverse castle. Don't don't forget. And, uh, you know, it, it is, it's pretty easy to, you know, especially if you have a bunch of luck potions and a la cards... Um, the a la carte equipment which yeah. uh doubles a la carte's luck stat um uh-huh. it's pretty easy to get an item called uh the chrysogram um and the chrysogram is easily the best sword in the game uh even though there are technically swords that are more powerful than the chrysogram uh mm-hmm. very f- uh no other sword in symphony of the night is a sword that shoots other swords. Um, <laughs> and that's what the Chrysogram does. And the fact that remind uh, me, unlike... remind me to bring up remind me to bring up short sword shooting swords later um, <laughs> in the next segment because uh, it, I won't I won't mention it in this segment, but in the next segment I will. So All right. just remind me. Um yes, and you have that along with the fact that it is the only weapon in the in the entire game where Alucard can move and swing it at the same time. Um, And so you're basically just, you're untouchable. One, Mm -hmm. you're like pretty damn strong when you have the Chrysogram, but then you can combine that with um, a pretty insane uh, combo where um, uh, pretty early on in the game, you get a weapon called the shield rod. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you press the shield rods attack button with the button for whatever shield you have equipped, it gives you a different effect. And there's uh-huh. a bunch of different effects. They're all pretty helpful. But when you have the Alucard shield, which is uh, the strongest shield in the game, and you use that with the shield rod, um, you get uh, another weapon that is um, d- just flat out disgusting. Uh, <laughs> it. It is a weapon that names and spit on my face. (laughs) (laughs) It is like uh, 
you know, going through a sewer completely naked levels of disgusting. <laughs> um, and what it does is every time Alucard has the shield uh, out and he runs into an enemy, it does 255 damage every frame. Um, <laughs> okay. And then when... Uh, and then every time it does damage, it heals Alucard by like 8 HP or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's every frame. So <laughs> that's like 8 HP times like, you know, 100 or whatever uh, yeah. per second. Um, and you don't have to have the shield rod equipped in order to get the shield rod effect on the Alucard shield. You just need to do it once. Um, oh, and then I think oh, it, great. it resets when you have when you do a save point or something. So you can have the the chrysogram and the shield and the shield rod enhanced Alucard shield on at the same time. But wait, Kevin, it gets mm -hmm. better because oh, it does. It does. Um, once you beat the game once, you can uh, defeat an enemy called a golden skeleton, which are uh, pretty plentiful throughout the reverse castle. And the, and the golden skeletons drop an item called the Ring of Varda. And the Ring of Varda ups all of Alucard's stats by 30, which is absurd. And because the Ring of Varda is an accessory and not a piece of equipment, you can equip two Rings of Varda so that Alucard can up all of his stats by 60. By 60 yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what he needed. Plus the Chrysogrim, plus the, the Shield Rod Enhanced Alucard Shield. I mean... <laughs> You know, you can you can steamroll Symphony mm. of the Night at that point. Mm. Like even the super boss is nothing with that with that setup. That's awesome. Um, yeah. See, I I initially came at this from a like more like glitchy buggy kind of mm -hmm. angle. I I'll have to. I don't know. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I thought of first. Um, I was thinking of. Uh, Half-Life 2. Um, Half-Life 2 is a pretty solid game. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's one of the best games of all time. I would, you know, I, I can say confidently. I don't think many people would really challenge me on that. Um, un unless, like, you really hate, like, mm -hmm. you know, guys with glasses. Or I, you know, but... I do have a very strong hatred of uh, crowbars. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm not going to stand for your... Uh, <laughs> crowbar phobia right you're gonna, you're gonna accept crowbars as the second best melee weapon or i'm gonna hurt you with my monkey wrench the first best melee weapon. Uh, no um i uh i don't know half-life 2 is a really good game um source engine gave us so many so many great phenomenal fun timeless mm -hmm. classics um such as Half-Life 2 Episode 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1. <laughs> um, uh, but but seriously, um, the Source Engine gave us a lot of stuff. It also gave us mechanics that we would see across a lot of these games, um, including B-Hopping. But I wasn't going to talk about B-Hopping. I was going to talk about its stupid brother, Backwards B-Hopping. <laughs> and uh, there, uh, how, when was the last time you played uh, Half-Life 2, Tom? Um, if I've played Half-Life 2. I've actually never played Half-Life 2. Wow. I've only played Half-Life 1. What is wrong with you? Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Well, that's not a big deal. Um, get to it. 
is all I have to say. But there's one part of Half-Life 2 where you are – I think it's right after there's, – there's a huge segment of the game where you're, like, going around on, like, the on like the um, hover boat or whatever, like, the, the – uh, I don't know. There, there's, like, a boat you get. And at some point you get a gun mounted to it. And then there's like this really cool segment where you're just like going down a really long river, like dodging helicopters shooting at you. And you're just like blasting stuff off the sides of cliffs with your like infinite ammunition minigun mounted on your flying boat or I don't know who cares. Um, It's the part after that, that I wanted to talk about in particular. And that was the segment where I discovered backwards bee hopping. I didn't know what it was. I had just been playing the game again. Uh, my friend explained it to me and it just so happened to come at like one of the perfect places for it. So let me, let me paint you this picture. I get off the boat. I'm at this like weird sort of dock area. It's like kind of like a dried up Harbor. I have to get to this warehouse on the other side of this gap. What the game wants you to do is use its physics engine to like shoot a couple planks and then have this bridge fall down. Like there's this bridge that's being supported by some planks and you got to like shoot it and, and you know, and then, and then it falls and then you could cross. What I did was I went all the way to the end of this concrete walkway leading up to where the bridge should be. And I started jumping backwards towards the gap. And because I was able to time these jumps perfectly um, while crouched, uh, I was continuously exponentially gaining speed um to the point where when i finally came to the point where i figured hey i like i should have fallen into this pit by now that's between uh me and 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 this brit like this huge gap that i'm supposed to bridge across i uh i had looked up to find that not only did i go past that but i uh i had somehow jumped over that gap like that's how fast i was going but i had also like like gone well beyond that (laughs) um and ever since i discovered that all of my subsequent half-life 2 runs have been way more enjoyable (laughs) there's a part where you're supposed to like outrun a train with the car with like the jeep and i just backwards b hopped like three times faster than that train was moving I just want you to imagine being some off-world alien soldier who conquered Earth in seven hours, seeing the one-man army that you're all supposed to fear and gun down, jumping backwards faster than a speeding train with nothing but a crowbar in his hand, and then just whipping around and slapping you in the face with a rod of metal. You know how awesome that is? Like That's amazing. It, it, it reminds me of... Um... <laughs> I don't know. This is um, so amazing. It, <laughs> it uh, oh gosh, um, there's this one uh, YouTube animator. Um, I'm trying to remember uh, his name, but basically his thing is that he like does like animated versions of like speed runs. Uh huh. Um, that's, that's, I'm already sold on this. This sounds hilarious. Yeah, it's really it, it's really funny. Um. But so, uh, like, one of his first videos was Super Mario 64. And, of course, one of the most famous parts of Super Mario 64 is, like, the backwards uh, jump up the infinite staircase. Yeah, the backwards long jump. But so now every time he does a video of a a Mario speed run, Mm. the the Mario is always, like, backwards long jumping. (laughs) Um, And just going, whoa, 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 whoa. 
um yeah and that that's I, the uh, image. and it, it it like gets to the point where it like like it breaks the sound barrier or whatever yeah, it's yeah. Like, um it, that's how you en- that's how you enter parallel dimensions in mario 64 yeah exactly <laughs> i'm not joking that's a speedrun mechanic um there's these things uh when the map ends basically the uh if you if you are somehow fast enough to clip through the map barrier the game essentially loads an infinite number of um an infinite number of the stage that you're on um just without rendering anything like all the collisions and stuff are still there um none of the enemies none of the moving parts basically are there but like the physical level geometry is there and and mm-hmm. i could be getting this wrong it's been a while since i've done anything speedrun relating related uh with mario 64 so I'm, I'm a little out of it and i don't remember a lot of the stuff but there's this thing they call it a parallel dimension or a parallel universe or something like that and uh there's this it essentially speedrunners have used it I, I don't know if you can actually do it i think it might be a task only thing I, i'm not entirely sure but in there are certain runs where essentially you have mario spawn and bob on battlefield backwards long jump so fast that he clips into an invisible section of the map uh like an invisible reconstruction of the map and then gets a star in the invisible reconstruction because it's just faster that way and, and i don't know every time someone brings up the backwards long jump I'm, I'm just like oh yeah you know how you access parallel dimensions parallel and- realities you know that thing in mario 64 that we all know the parallel universe like, <laughs> um, um yeah, anyway. and he and he incorporates that into these like Mario speedrun animations, um, <laughs> like the whole parallel dimension thing. It, it it's hilarious. Uh, the guy the guy's name on YouTube is Terminal Montage, um, mm. and uh, he the other great bit of his that he has, which is not related to glitches, but he just for whatever reason he like makes Kirby like into a like extremely devout Catholic. Uh, <laughs> so you know like. Kirby is all about like like every Kirby final boss is like some sort of you know like nightmare crazy you know eye bleeding monster or whatever yeah some demon right yeah and then he just like whips out a cross and like like <laughs> Jesus descends from the clouds it's it's amazing <laughs> uh, yeah um, yeah all right well um, I guess I can just real quickly like bring up a, a small funny thing that happened. When I was playing mm-hmm. New Vegas uh, recently. Oh which, boy! Okay. You know, oh well, Fallout being glitchy. Who would have thought of that? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Fallout New <laughs> Vegas is one of the most solid, uh, stable games I've ever played. Um, but I was, um, I think I was in the uh, the um, wherever the White Glove Society is, the the Lux uh, Ultra Lux. Yeah, um, and I was. I was doing the the cannibal quest uh, beyond the beef and I mm. killed one of the guys, but then I was like, Oh wait, like, like something happened. I was like, I realized I needed to fast travel somewhere else. Um, right. But I guess like the guy's corpse was like still on my characters, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> model or whatever. Yeah. So when I fast traveled, he, he just went flying like 50 <laughs> feet in front of me and like straight up into the air. That's um, awesome. And I was like, what? The? I was like laughing for a solid like mm. 20 seconds. I was like, mm. <laughs> um, I mean, that's like the only funny one that I, I think is worth sharing though. Cause like not 90% of the glitches that you run into Fallout New Vegas is the game crashing. <laughs> 
Yeah. But, um, uh, I don't know. I've had some funny ones. Um, I've had some funny ones in Fallout 4 of all games where, like, just corpses explode, like, for no <laughs> particular reason. Like, like they'll get, like, stuck on a door or something, and you'll just hear, like... <laughs> and then you just hear, like, a... Like, and, like, blood spurts everywhere, and it's like, oh. <laughs> um, Fallout 3, uh, you don't see it in New Vegas because I don't think there are, like, any cars in New Vegas, really. Um, but in Fallout 3, there's a lot of, like, cars just parked everywhere, like, randomly and, like, mm-hmm. you know, decrepit beat-down cars. But they'll blow up, and a lot of times they'll blow up for no reason. No reason at all. <laughs> like, you'll walk on it funny, and you'll trigger the physics or something, and it'll just... And, and and it's hilarious don't get me wrong like mm-hmm. you're just walking around and you're just like you're i don't know you're list, you're jamming out to um butcher pete part one and like and like three dogs on the radio and he's like the brotherhood of steel's fighting the good fight and then all of a sudden you hear like and sometimes you know like i I always have dog meat with me in fallout 3 so you'll just hear like like a brief dog whimper before everything goes in slow motion you'll hear like (laughs) (laughs) Like, i don't know great Um, great stuff the the i just remember the other one which i think is like an extremely common one but uh in new vegas like right before you enter new vegas this guy comes up and talks to you and he's like um you know he basically just like gives you the rundown of like what everything's like and you know, a little bit of backstory on himself. And he's like, well, see you around. And like, let me know if you need anything else. And he mm-hmm. walks up to the new Vegas door and the Securitrons just like gun him down. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, that was I've weird. Seen that. I've seen that. Um, that, that is hilarious. Um, another one while we're talking about new Vegas really quick, um, more in line to what you were talking about in the beginning, like, like crunching numbers, breaking a game. Um, uh, unarmed builds are really overpowered in fallout new vegas Mm -hmm. um and i i did one my most recent playthrough and i've talked about this a couple times i I don't know if it was on the show or not but definitely to tom my my most recent playthrough was an amoral uh like punching machine was like like you know this this old dude that i made could punch through like bricks basically (laughs) and when you max out so first of all what i did was i maxed out unarmed as fast as possible ignored everything else unarmed first thing then immediately did old world blues got the superheated saturnite fist which is the best unarmed weapon in the game um and uh the rest of the game was a joke it was it was (laughs) That's it. I mean, like th- that is it. Like that is all you need. Uh, I walked through Quarry Junction just like punching holes, like through Death Claws. <laughs> you know what that feels like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just like you just you just rip them in half, man. And then like and then you're like, oh, uh, I punched all these baby Death Claws. What are they gonna do? Get their mom? And then their mom shows up, and you punch holes in her too. <laughs> Granted, I did have to. I did have to do some cams. You know, I wasn't. You know, it's what, whatever. I did some cams, but I, I tore through the uh, mom death claw. Wasn't like that much of a challenge. My companion got sent flying, though. Absolutely <laughs> ragdolled. I think I had. Um, I don't know who I had at the time. It was either Boone or Raul or something at some point when I went through Quarry Junction, and someone just got flung. It was funny. <laughs> um, I like I couldn't find them. Like I saw their body ghost. Like 
they didn't like go flying through the air they just kind of went sliding like a shuffleboard piece like like <laughs> just like spinning around <laughs> kind of looked like a Roomba honestly if Roombas looked like corpses it just um, reminds it just I just imagine the image of like like when you recruit Raul and you do the the side quest path where he gets the Vaquero costume again like, he's him like just hey, decked boss, out. it feels feels good to put on the old vaquero costume again he's just fucking he's just going like sliding <laughs> <laughs> knock the sombrero off raul uh anyway no new vegas is a good game <laughs> good yeah god we will do a, a a new vegas solo episode one day because, oh yeah oh yes um you have to finish it and then yeah i i'm 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 on i so i've done the first two dlc expansions i'm doing honest hearts right now so Ooh, honest hearts getting getting anyway. pretty close to the end here but yeah, i have like 70 hours in it yeah uh, well yeah you're, you're approaching the you're approaching the final stretch so yeah but um all right so now should we move on to what we have been playing what the hell have you been playing tom well i've been playing um a couple different things the one I think I'll talk about is, um, you know, I mentioned Metroidvania with Castlevania Symphony of the Night, but I, I, I started playing a new one, which I bought uh, a long time ago, uh, back when like Chrono.gg was was still up and still a thing. I bought a game called uh, Dondara: Trials of Fear. And that sounds um, so familiar, but I, like I feel like I've seen promotional material for that game. I don't know yeah, maybe. It it's a really interesting game. Um, I feel like so. There's a couple things. Uh, this is a game where I mean it's very um, uh, Crash Bandicoot esque storytelling, where it's like you know very vague and like very you know uh, unclear. It's very dark. It does the Crash Bandicoot thing as well, where. Uh, like when you die, uh, you have to go back and find your corpse for the experience points. Mm. Um, I'm, obviously, I mean Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, the Crash Bandicoot thing where you have to go find your corpse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, um, you <laughs> when you find it, it makes an Aku Aku sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, my new my th- my new thing is going to be every time I mean to say Dark Souls, I'm going to say uh a game this, journalism oh consoles. man this is the this is the crash bandicoot <laughs> <laughs> god just like cuphead um <laughs> but uh no uh, no it's like dark souls where the story is very vague and you know my it, new thing is going to be every time i die in a dark souls game i'm going to go <laughs> just like make the aku aku noise instead of you died it's just like it's just like the phonetic spelling of <laughs> yeah whatever whatever that would be like <laughs> um yeah so um uh, it does it does that stuff um but what's kind of in sort of the main gimmick of this game is that um you can't move um mm. and instead of moving uh the main character dundara uh it basically like the floors and ceilings are covered in like a white um covered in like white paint and Mm. she basically like um you know like i don't know like uh instant transmissions her way to like the different you know white surfaces Mm, um and it's really interesting you know i think it, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to like 
understanding how it works and stuff. But once you're in the zone, like this game has a really excellent like flow to the movement, um, which is interesting mm. because it's a game where you can't move. But um, yeah, that is pretty interesting. And it's, um, you know, I'm I'm still pretty early on. I've only just entered the second area, but um, I do think the story that they're trying to go for, I mean, it, it, it's more involved than Dark Souls, where Dark Souls is just like, you know. I mean, Crash they, Bandicoot. Yeah, it's more involved than Crash Bandicoot. Um, <laughs> where, Dark uh, Bandicoot. <laughs> you know, in Cuphead, um, it, uh, the they're very, like, vague. Cop. Uh, it's inspired about, by old cartoons. <laughs> they just say, "All right, I'm going to stop doing this. It's too confusing." Yeah, I don't know. In Dark Souls, talking. you know, they just kind of throw you into the world and figure it out. And there's a bit more dialogue in Dandara. Um, sure. What's kind of interesting is that the first area, they, there seems to be at, at the outset like a big theme about um, like artistry, um, okay. and you know, being at a liberal arts college, you know, I'm studying creative writing, which is an art um like that appeals to me and i think it's really mm -hmm. interesting um obviously i'm still pretty early on in the game so i don't know how that theme plays out like in its fullest but um it it it's very interesting i've never really seen a game like quite dive into it in the same way in the way that dandara seems to be the other thing is um uh, this game is gorgeous on a musical level. Um, Emily, who is my roommate, who I do the JoJo podcast with, was listening to me uh, fight one of the bosses. Um, and she's like, damn, like, this is really good music. And, you know, mm. she's a, a pretty good musician, you know, guitars and basses and whatnot. Um, oh, so I think that it, it definitely <laughs> speaks to the the quality of the music. Um and the visuals are great too, you know. I mean, it is kind of like <clears throat> I am officially sick of pixel art, I think, but um understandable. Don Dondara, I would say, is like it it looks more like a Game Boy advanced kind of pixel art compared yeah. to like SNES. Um mm. which there's is, certainly a distinction. Like, I don't know. I'll I'll get into that, but yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh I mean, it's a it's just a game that I, it's been really interesting to to play. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I, it's a fair. I think it's a fair challenge. Um, you know, it's not going to be a, a complete walk in the park, but it's not mm -hmm. like controller snapping hard. So, you know, definitely, yeah. definitely check it out if you got like a spare 15 bucks. Unlike Cup Bandicoot, which is a mm -hmm. controller yeah. uh, snapping game. But uh <laughs> <laughs> so i know you said you're sick of pixel art you're not gonna like this one okay <laughs> i've been playing an atari get no uh, <laughs> et for the atari i've been replaying um i've been replaying uh hyperlight drifter lately mm. um i recently got the physical the limited run physical copy on switch um just because i don't I don't usually get like big collector copies of games or like, you know, I, I do prefer physical. I'll, I'll always stand by that, but uh, you know, not many games make me go out of my way to uh, purchase. Like, like if it's a game that only exists online or something, like I, I usually just 
do whatever you know like if it if it's convenient if it's more convenient significantly more convenient to do it that way then you know I, whatever but i've really drifter is kind of a special game to me it was one of those first it was one of the first games that i that i played um you know like well it wasn't the, one of the first games i played it was one of the first games i played like with with like a critical lens and i think we all have that with like every medium that, that i think mm-hmm. there's i think there's one book that we've all read that sort of awoken some sort of like critical aspect to us and i think that that book sticks with us i think the same thing can be said about movies there's definitely some movie that that you've watched at some point and it makes you think about that medium in a way you had never thought about it before and i uh maybe not so much from the show but i never stopped talking about blade runner and and for me you know that was the, in terms of movies i think blade runner was that for me i think when i was a kid um book wise i think maybe like i don't know I, I, tale of despero sticks in my mind because it's like a very mature book but for kids yeah um so i don't know hyperlight drifter was kind of like that for video games like i always considered video games to be art but i think that was sort of like an excuse for my younger self to be like i i'm experiencing art <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. um but hyperlight drifter really really made me sort of look at a game and think about all the things a game can do that other platforms can't and so if you if you don't know um hyperlight drifter is a game with no dialogue no text whatsoever um the only instances of text that you get are in the menus um and, and by menus i explicitly mean like when you boot up the game new game settings load continue whatever those are the basically the only thing and, and credits achievements whatever um in game the menus don't like um even like the equipped screens uh all the guns and stuff that you can get in the game it doesn't tell you what they are um but they're all all their sprites are designed in such a unique way or such a way that you can tell what they are from looking at them like i look at the shotgun in that game and i'm like this is a shotgun i'm gonna equip this i know what this does the sniper same thing the pistol pretty straightforward uh and and the sword that shoots swords yes exactly the sword that shoots swords and i'll get into that in just a second so um hyperlay drifter i i I do want to hit on like how kind of profound this game can be um it's about the drifter this drifter uh drifters are you know a thing that exists in this world there are other drifters um that you meet uh and can play as even um but uh this drifter goes through this world trying to find a cure for this chronic terminal illness that he's had and and he is desperately searching for a way to save himself from this like approaching you know from his approaching demise essentially along the way and by along the way i mean really early on um you know you you meet this other character who seems to have the exact same affliction as the player character and she helps you out like kind of like uh in in ways you wouldn't expect like you uh the main character the drifter passes out like after having an intense vision um and he's kind of like laying there in the road and uh this person comes and takes her to her uh takes you to her house and like lets you just stay there chill um and she heads out she because she's looking for the same cure that you're looking for or or so it's implied um 
based on like little animations like the drifter coughs up blood and and this character who people refer to as um the guardian she also like tends to like have these coughing fits where you see like blood come out and so you get the idea that you guys are both doing the same thing essentially um and like what makes me really say that this game is art is that you know i don't know how much you're into the art scene tom but a lot of a lot of like what makes you know art so deep and and so like uh, and why people spend so much time looking at paintings and stuff is usually not so much what's on the canvas but sort of the things that go on like in the create into the creation of this what was going mm-hmm. on in the creator's life when this happened and i and um i don't think that a, that concept applies to any game better than hyperlight drifter because the theme, the central theme is this character dealing with something that could kill him at any moment, but he has a goal that he has to accomplish before he dies. Similarly, the, the, um, you know, the, the team at, uh, art machine is, is a, the people who developed the game, really small team. The guy who spearheaded the project was dealing with, uh, heart disease at, at, at the time. And he genuinely didn't think he was going to live to see the release of this game. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I think when, I, I don't want to spoil the game because it's a really easy game to spoil. And, and in fact, by explaining a lot of things I've already explained, I feel like I've sort of taken away from the experience of the game. So mm-hmm. I'm going to sort of stop explaining things. Um, but uh, as you're playing the game and as the visuals and and most certainly the, the sounds and, and music um, convey this story, uh, knowing, I mean, do like a minute of reading at most, um, either before or after, um, about, about, uh, his name escapes me, but you know, um, the lead developer will say, um, you know, just do like a tiny bit of reading either before or after you play the game. And it just, it just means so much more. And, And I don't know, like, even if you don't know, you know, the, the creator's backstory, you still sort of like can relate to it in a way that, you know, anybody can relate to um, living on borrowed time or, or something, you know, just that sense of mortality or hyper mortality. Um, but I don't know. It, it's a yeah. great game. Um, but anyway, as for swords that shoot swords, <laughs> um, that gets into sort of the enhanced experience uh, that comes with this like special edition uh like physical release get a ton of goodies with it and it's awesome i love hyperlight drifter um and so any like little hyperlight drifter like merch i can get is like like mm, yummy um <laughs> and uh there's a so you have a little companion throughout the game that floats around you he's a cute little guy he's kind of he kind of looks like um you ever see the movie robots yeah you know the little flying tea kettle guy Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of looks like that, um, except not a tea kettle. He, but he floats around and he follows you and he helps you. Um, he sort of interacts with like doors and terminals, and he, it's. I'm pretty sure he's the. I think it's implied that he's the thing that holds like the health charges, so you can heal yourself. Um, so he's, he's you know he's your faithful little companion. Uh, it comes with a little keychain of that guy. It's cute. Um, it also came with a really really nifty little poster uh, a sticker um a, a manual but a, as we know 
game manuals are basically just art books um, mm-hmm. nowadays. But but it was also really cool because it comes with um, a little checklist of sorts because there's a, there's a collectible in the game. Like uh, you can go around and basically activate these monoliths and it's there's a secret language in the game. Um, and, and basically all these monoliths, you read them in order and it tells a story. And when you activate all of them, you get like a special like cape and sword and whatever. Um, tons of things to collect in that game, uh, monoliths being one of them. Um, but anyway, uh, it, so this uh, little manual you get has uh, has that uh, that list of monoliths, so you can sort of check off your progress. And it also comes with this little like like um, I don't know what do you call it when uh, it's like it's one thing when you flip it one way and then like you kind of tilt it in the light or whatever. Um, and it's like another thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know. I don't know. The I I don't know to be honest. I don't know. It's like that little like weird kind of plastic scratchy material. Anyway, you flip it one way and it says one thing and then you sort of tilt it in the oh, light. And oh, it says like, another. um, I like, it's like holographic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's, I don't know. I, there's another, there's another like, like a more like proper name for it, but I don't remember, but the holographic, yeah, it's like a little holographic card. And when you flip it one way, it, it's the language as it appears in the game. And when you flip it the other way, it's the translation. Um, so you can actually translate these messages. There's like an official way to do that now, which is cool because before there wasn't before, like people actually had to try and figure out what the hell these monoliths were saying, which I thought was funny, but um, I don't know. It just comes with a bunch of goodies that make the experience a little, I don't know, like kind of the card in particular kind of makes it a little more like AR, like, you know, mm-hmm. that augmented reality, like, Oh, there's a, puzzle to this and, and i think that's cool because that ties into the idea of this game being art you know like the yeah. idea of like you have to have some some sort of knowledge outside of the game to fully experience this 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 art piece this piece of art this work of art and, and i don't know i think that's really cool um the only limitation to oh and and there's an exclusive new there's like a new area it's called the tower and it's like a gauntlet of like you know fighting and challenges and whatever and that's really fun. There's a really hard boss at the end. Took me forever to beat. Um, but when you finally beat him, there's this really cool psychedelic sequence where um, basically, I, again, I don't really want to, I don't really want to explain too much, but basically like you walk down this corridor, stab yourself with a sword, pull the sword out. And now it's a gun sword. Like you just shoot this. It's a sword that shoots a, a laser sword. Basically. Hell yeah. Um, and it's probably like my fa- my uh, favorite uh, ranged weapon in the game. Um, but uh, I-, I don't know, just a lot of care went into this special edition. It's just too bad that I have to play it with a controller. Um, <laughs> Hyperlight Drifter is a lot more fun, if I'm being honest, when I can hit spacebar to-, <laughs> to do basically everything. Um, it's just it's just easier. And having the mouse to be able to aim everything was just oh, it's just so much nicer. Um, but it's not unplayable. In fact, it's still a great experience. And I love Hyperlight Drifter a lot. And I recommend it. Um, yeah. And one um, day, one day, I swear I'm going to talk about Pokemon Shield. I swear. But it's just, <laughs> I just haven't really been playing it. And I don't want to lie to people. <laughs> uh, yeah. You've uh, you've talked about Hyperlight Drifter to me both uh, on and off the show, I think. Um, so I, I, I think... Uh, you know, you recommended to me New Vegas, uh, which I, I love. Um, so I think uh, 
I think I'm going to have to dive into Hyper Light Drifter after I finish New Vegas. It's Um, a great game, and I'm pretty sure Heart Machine is developed. If they haven't already released another game, I I heard that they were another Heart Machine game is in the works. So, like, um, I I mean, Solar Ash. Yeah, Solar Ash is what it was. Yeah. So now's the time. Um, Also, uh, real quick, the guy's name is. Alex, Alex Preston. It's spelled A L X. Um, That's right. I, I knew it was. I knew it was something Preston, honestly, but I, I didn't. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Um, that does it for uh, today's show. Um, if you want to follow the show, keep up with all the news, whatnot, stuff that we got going on. Uh, you can follow us um, uh, on the social medias at uh, PostGameCon. That's at PostGameCon. I did the social medias in reverse, but it's fine. Uh, we're what? also on Instagram oh. on that. Yeah, um, whatever. And uh, if you want to follow me on on the social medias, uh, I'm now I'm watching uh, the the MonsterVerse movies in preparation for oh. Godzilla versus oh. King Kong. Oh um, God! So you can you can see my thoughts on that by following me on Twitter Bella. at Thomas M Brickman. Um, and uh, Kevin, uh, where where are you on the internet? What do you Twitter. do? Twitter.com forward slash at hey it's kevo dot html backslash <laughs> uh no just at hey it's kevo um <laughs> yeah and um what what else uh other shows show adjacent shows adjacent video game adjacent mm-hmm. show everyone and their mother i do that um with my friend josh we are breaking down every npc in the mother franchise uh, um <laughs> we recently put out our second episode it's been a it's been a slow slow burn just because um josh had some uh, bones removed from his body and uh <laughs> i think somewhere between two and four i don't remember but he's okay now he can he still he still talks about mother it's good we just talked about the jealous base um it, it was it's pretty good. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. I like doing that show. It's a lot of fun. Good stuff. Um, and I uh, like doing this one. I like I like all of our shows. Uh, I like my friend Tom, who also does another show. Yep. It's called uh, the show's called I Want to Fight Iraqi, where uh, me and my roommate Emily talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, and uh, you know, I want to fight Iraqi on wherever you listen to podcasts, social media, all that. Um, yeah. And yes. I forgot. Um, everyone and their mother is is also on all the you know streaming platforms, and you can follow everyone and their mother on Twitter at Eat Mother, um, which is uh, it's a great handle, by the way. I, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I work within my limitations. That's all I can say. Um, and with all that said, we'll see you guys next time for post game content. Get get out of here. Go <laughs> go home. It's over. Read a book.